G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, we've had some recent conversations about what the world might be like if there was no Christianity. Of course, the simple answer is chaotic. As a Christian, you'll know that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so there'll be hard things. So what's so good about Christianity? Well, after some hard teachings in John chapter 6, the Bible tells us many followers, in fact, deserted Jesus. When Jesus asked his disciples if they would leave too, Peter responded, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And for lots of Christians, it's difficult to decide to take what the Bible describes as a narrow road that leads to life, when the highway that leads to destruction looks very inviting and looks easy. Well, the conversation today about the substance that Christianity has brought to the world. We'll try to identify what's so good about Christianity. And with 2,000 years of history, a handful of disciples grew from just 120 people in the upper room to 2.2 billion followers. And in the world today, about a third of the world's population identify as Christian. There must be not only good, but amazing things about Christianity, even if we face troubles and hardships. Our special guest joining us today, evangelism trainer Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back. Stu, there's so many dimensions in a conversation like this, and that's why we'll invite listeners to join in. They might like to help direct the pathway that we'll go. Uh, but, you know, let's, uh, just before Christmas, I remember we having a, a conversation a little bit similar to this, a mm. different sort of an angle. And we were talking about, you know, if there was no Christmas, uh, what yeah. would the world look like today? But because Christmas and the incarnation, such important and significant times in the history of the world, that made all the difference. And w- the world would not look like it does today without Jesus. Absolutely. So, so if we were recapping a few thoughts, uh, what comes to mind for you? Oh, there was we covered quite a bit, didn't we, last time? We, we talked about how the whole calendar is based on Jesus, before Jesus and after Jesus. Um, I mean, the fact that it's 2022 today, 2022 years since what? Since Jesus. Uh, I mean, he's so significant that time itself was divided on Jesus. We have these massive holidays, um, uh, not right throughout the world, but a lot of the world have Christmas and Easter celebrating Jesus' birth and his death. Now, I don't know, uh, Neil, that you'd even know what my birthday is, but um, no, none of the listeners probably don't, don't either. <laughs> uh, but you'd never go, come to my birthday, oh, it's Stu's birthday, we're going to have a national holiday. Of course you don't, but Jesus, we do. Now, um, 
Jesus is so significant. He's made so much impact in this world. It's amazing. It's not just, of course, the, the calendar and holidays, but um, the significance of who he is is the reason why time was divided on his birth and we have these holidays. You draw really important uh, issues here because here in Australia, And I'm not even sure what this history is, but somebody in their wisdom, right from those early days after colonization, Christianity had arrived on our shores. Somebody said, why don't we have a public holiday for Christmas Day? Why don't we have a public holiday, Good Friday, Mm. and for Easter Sunday, Resurrection Mm. Day? And in their wisdom, they put in place something that would mark Australia as Christian, because Mm. these are our holy days. That's right. For people who wonder about our Christian history, I mean, just the fact that we celebrate those holy days is so significant. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, we'd never celebrate your birthday or my birthday, but we're celebrating Jesus because he's so significant and has made such a difference uh, to the the whole uh, foundation of how our society is built. Um, I mean, the fact that you and I are having this conversation today, Neil, uh, just wouldn't happen without Christianity. I mean, most empires in the world, uh, you know, have had kings or or leaders that have made people worship them, and anything else apart from that was was punishable by death. You know, um, there's some very cruel history when we look back, and it's not until Christianity brought freedom of choice. Freedom of religion, uh, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, all these freedoms that we enjoy today and the fact that we're having this conversation is because of what Christianity has brought. And a lot of people take it just as their right. It's my right to have freedom of speech. It's my right. You know, and we're, and we're now, you know, there's protests in Canberra and, and everyone's up in arms when freedom freedoms are taken away. Why? Because they feel it's their right. But it was only given uh, through Christianity. Without that worldview... Basically, you're at the at the mercy of a, a tyrant. Or a In fact, you use a very important word, mm. and uh, listeners might have picked up on the word that you used, the word cruel. Mm. And uh, when you have Christianity, you have an opposition to cruelty. But we mm. could look back through history mm. and even the characterization of the Roman Empire, mm. uh, which actually became Christianized. Right. Uh, there was a contrast in that Christianization to what the Roman Empire stood for in its tyranny, and that was cruelty. So Christianity brings the opposite of cruelty. And wherever you see compassion, that is as a result of Christianity because it is the ethical core of who we are as Christians and that permeates through the culture that we're a part of. Jesus was very countercultural. I mean, he, you know, people said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that's justice. But Jesus, he said, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, he said it seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it, to do the opposite of what we naturally want to do? But that's what Christianity is about. Let's stay with cruelty for a moment. Eighteen mm. hundreds uh, Christianity instrumental ab- abolishing slavery. Uh, the yes. wonderful William Wilberforce, just yes. an illustration of what Christianity mm. does. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people will talk about uh, slavery and they'll actually point to slavery in the Bible and all sorts of things like this. But at the heart of Christianity is the abolition of that sort of cruelty. Mm. Absolutely. And in the in the Bible, for those who have studied it, they'll, they'll see that it's more indebted servitude, uh, which uh, is, anyway, without 
a big explanation about that. It's basically, it's it's not like we think of slavery where we're forcing someone to be our slave. Someone's actually literally selling themselves because they've got into debt to pay off their debts, which rather than being bank, bankrupt like today where basically the creditors get nothing, um, they took it seriously and they actually sold themselves of, as a worst-case scenario for a period of time. And, and uh, there was even laws in the, in the Old Testament that said uh, on the seventh year, then a slave must go free. So there was a, you could only be a slave for six years, So and it was voluntary. So a lot of people who are making those claims about the Bible and slavery have, have got really got the wrong end of the stick. But anyway, getting back to what you were saying, Neil, uh, amazing Christianity revolutionized the world again. William Wilberforce and John Newton, who used to be a slave trader, for those of you who don't know, John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace. He, he literally went to Africa and, and shot and round up, and it was a very cruel man, and uh, Africans, and sold them as slaves. Uh, and he was instrumental in working with William Wilberforce to, to see it change because his life was so radically changed by Jesus, by Christianity. You know, lives don't radically change mm. uh, without some mm. sort of external influence That's that right. comes and making an internal transformation. And this, mm. as you raise, uh, wonderful talking about uh, John Newton because yeah. he is the sort of example that you can yeah. point to from history uh, yeah. with that cruelty of his background, mm. recognizing that transformation and the writer of that hymn that almost everybody knows. That's Amazing right. grace, yeah. how sweet the sound mm. that saved a wretch like me, someone who could recognize yes. uh, what the sinful nature, the evil intent of the heart mm. can be transformed because of the grace of a loving and merciful God. Mm, absolutely. And that's the heart of Christianity, and that's why it's so transformative. It's why it's so radical and, and countercultural. Um, I mean, we naturally think we're good people. We're fine. And we, we, look, we look at a guy like John Newton and go, oh, that was an evil terrible cruel man look what he did but then when we look at our own lives we you know if we actually looked at our lives under the microscope of god's law we'd all fall very very short uh, and i'm pretty sure that if you were to put a microchip in in my brain um neil and that, that recorded all my thoughts and and everything and then put it up on a big screen for all my family and friends to watch i'd want to shrivel into a corner <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that most listeners will be the same mm. Yep. And God sees every thought we have. He sees every attitude, every motive. Sometimes we do the right thing from the wrong for the wrong reason. We're very selfish and, and self-centered people. And yet Jesus didn't just wipe us out. He didn't say, that's enough. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of you guys. Look at you. You're selfish. You're prideful. You're, you know, you're doing all this stuff wrong. He loved us. He came to earth, and he did, again, the opposite of what you'd expect. He gave his life. He laid down his life. He was punished in our place. That if we're prepared to repent, to turn away from the sins in our lives and surrender our lives in following Jesus, he offers us us eternal life, forgiveness. That's an an amazing thing, an amazing thing for us personally and for us as a a society. Recipients of that eternal life, Mm. recipients of the grace and mercy of God, Mm. uh, those things birth 
compassion in the heart. Yes. And then some of those things that then become part of us when we're exposed to the teaching of Jesus, mm. do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's right. Those profound words that yes. we think are just so simple, they're the birth of universities, mm. of hospitals, mm. of orphanages, of homes for the elderly, of care for the poor and mm. for the homeless. These are the things yeah. that have been the soil that those uh, wonderful institutions grow out of because mm. compassion comes, and that is because of Christ. Mm. Absolutely. And and the, the the fact that we have free education for all, that, that children all go to school, I mean, it didn't used to be like that. I mean, only the rich were educated. You know, they were, only the privileged in society were educated. But Christians came along and said, no, we need everybody need to learn because we need to learn to read the Bible. And schools started really from the Reformation uh, with the importance of learning to read so we could read the scriptures for ourselves. And, and then branch from there as um, uh, the rights that people have today. Again, we take them for granted. We think free, free, free this, free that, you know. But why do we get things for free? Why is it someone's right to be educated? Why isn't it just the people who pay for it like the rich? It's the fact that Christianity says, you know what? We're all made in the image of God. We're all loved by him. And we all have dignity and purpose. And we all have the right to, to be educated. Not just a certain privileged people in society. Well, I want to open talkback lines. Listeners might like to join in our conversation today. You might be able to identify some of those things that really do uh, represent the substance of faith in Christ and how it transforms an ordinary individual life, a sinful individual life, but also transforms nations. You might like to be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. And just going back to compassion, you were talking about that before, Neil, and um, I think when somebody becomes a Christian, they're convicted of their own sin. They realize they're a sinful person. That, that rather than being filled with pride and I'm a good person and, and therefore having a judgmental sort of spirit on other people. And, and the reality is I know for myself that I judge other people by their actions and I judge myself by my intentions. And so I always look better than I am. Yeah. You know, if someone else does something wrong and go, oh, gee, they're a rotten person, aren't they? I do something wrong and go, well, I meant to do the right mm. thing, you know. And so we, we're naturally judgmental, we're naturally prideful. But when we humble ourselves before God and become a Christian, we realize our sin and we surrender to Christ. It gives us a greater compassion for other people because we realize that we're, we're all sinners. We're all, you know, going through this journey of life and we all need God's help. And that brings a compassion and a love and a grace that isn't there previously. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Identifying some things today, there must be not only good but amazing things about Christianity uh, if we face troubles and hardship and we can still continue on this pathway following Jesus Christ, Lord and Saviour. Our special guest this hour is evangelism trainer Stu Miller, the, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, a comment 
or a critique for our conversation, you're welcome to join us and be part of the conversation. 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call, Stu. Frederick is on the line from Tinga in New South Wales. Hi, Frederick. Uh, That's Cedric. Cedric. Sorry, Cedric. Yeah. (laughs) What are your thoughts? Yeah, Yeah, I'm just... uh look at the, all the Christian aid agencies uh, in the world. You know, when there's a disaster, how we just go to them. We, we don't ask them, are you a Christian or are you uh, anti-communist? Or we, we just help everyone. The, the, the Christian aid agencies just... They they don't discriminate against other religions or anything. They just get out there and help people in turmoil and disasters. Cedric, absolutely wonderful insight here because uh, those aid agencies or those charities, and especially in Australia, uh, even in contrast to other nations around the world, uh, our aid and charity agencies have had Christian foundation. So for everyone who wants to argue we're not a Christian nation, just look at all of those wonderful mm. agencies like World Vision or the mm. Salvation Army or Anglicare, uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society, Lifeline, Compassion Australia. Churches are charities too. Wonderful, mm. wonderful organisations. Stu, any thoughts here for Cedric? Because he's <coughs> on to a winner here. Oh, absolutely, and I think he raises a really good point. Um, again, things that we just take for granted, that the Sallies are going to be around, you know, but Sallies are there, they're Salvation Army, they're a church, they're a, an organisation that are doing what they're doing because of the transformation that they've had through Jesus Christ, and they want to see that transformation in other people's lives. But like Cedric says, it's not forced on people. As Christians, we don't force our our, our beliefs on people. That's between them and God. They've got a right to choose. But we would love to share about Jesus. But ultimately, we do not discriminate. When we're uh, we're doing good works, when we're helping people in need, it doesn't matter what religion they are, what sex they are, what color they are. Uh, This is the thing about the great leveler is Christianity. You know, Uh, there's no more Jew, no more Greek, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. all made in the image of God. It's the great leveller. Somehow or other, uh, people have a tendency to think if it's a Christian charity, it only helps Christians. And Cedric, you raised a really important point, non-discrimination. And the story that comes to mind, the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm. uh, who, uh, you know, who was the this man's neighbour? Mm. Uh, and uh, there's a certain sense of non-discrimination in that. Uh, raised a wonderful point. Mm. Stu. Absolutely. Um, And so when we think about, um, again, looking back at cultures in the past prior to Christianity, I mean, if you went into a tribe, you're not likely to see equality. You're likely to see a woman being dominated by the men because the men are physically stronger than them. You're likely to see uh, more wealthy or affluent in the tribe uh, lording it over those who don't have some. Often you'll see slavery. You'll see things like this. Um, Naturally, in in people's society, when they're unregulated, that's what happens because pride and greed and selfishness come through. But Christianity says, no, this is wrong. We are all uh, valuable because we're made in the image of God. We're all loved by God and we're all equal. And we, we're not going to have this lording over. We're going to have, you know, and that's why Kate Shepard in New Zealand was, a, you know, she, um, in the end of the, the 19th century, she brought about 
um, universal suffering in, uh, in New Zealand, the, the woman having the right to vote. And it was, New Zealand was the first country in the world. I'm a, I'm a Kiwi, so I've got to fly, fly that flag. <laughs> but, um, you know, but she, she's a Christian lady. What, what motivated her? She was motivated by Christ because she could see the injustice uh, according to the scriptures. Thank you so much, Cedric from Tinga. Great contribution. Talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. You draw attention to women's suffrage, mm. the thought that women are just as uh, able to cast their vote as mm. a man. And why would a woman's vote be less important than a man? Uh, this thought actually comes from a Christian foundation because, mm. as you say, and yeah. uh, describing that story from New Zealand, women's mm. suffrage says mm. women are equal to men and That's therefore right. they should have a vote as well. Absolutely. And again, naturally in society, that's not the way things happen. You, you show me any any tribe or any natural situation where women had equal rights with men. It just doesn't happen. If you were to go into the deepest, darkest jungle in, in Africa or the Amazon or wherever and find a tribe, men dominate the woman. It's naturally what happens in society. But Christianity said, no, we're not going to have any of that. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're made in the image of God. Therefore, we're going to fight for the rights of women. And uh, Christian people have been fighting for the rights of women all around the world. Now, you could try and water down and even dismantle that equality. And uh, the biggest dismantling that's happened in recent years, of course, is the dismantling of the marriage definition. Mm. And uh, that was, uh, you could very, very strongly argue, uh, the mechanism in Christian Australian society mm -hmm. that guaranteed the equality of women with mm -hmm. men. Yes. Uh, so uh, we talked about that quite significantly in the yes. lead-up to the vote mm -hmm. uh, on uh, marriage uh, issues. And, yeah. uh, and so that is something that has been lost of recent times mm -hmm. uh, where marriage is no longer considered just to be between a man and a woman. Hey, we're mm -hmm. taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Join in our conversation today. Stu, you love to, as an evangelist, uh, talk about some of those things that uh, are the basic questions of life mm. that Christianity answers. Uh, give us your thoughts here on a, n a number of different issues. Yeah, well, there's, there's five main base questions of life. Uh, where did I come from, uh, which is our origins? Uh, who am I, which is our identity? Um, why am I here, which is, is our purpose? Um, how should I live, which is our morals? And where am I going to go when I die, which, of course, is our destiny? So that whole thing of our origins, our identity, our purpose, morals, and destiny, we want to, we want to know answers to those, Neil. I mean, uh, Christianity is the only worldview that has a coherent, consistent, logical explanation for where we came from, who we are, why we're here, how we should live, and where we're going. Um, you look at any other worldview, and you know, if you take a naturalistic worldview, for example, you can't answer the question, where did we come from? I mean, you could say we evolved from monkeys, but where did the monkeys come from? Well, they originally came back from amoeba and you know, single-cell microorganisms. And, well, where did they come from? Well, they came from the primarial soup. And, oh, where did they come? Eventually, you know, cause and effect says if there is a cause, there's, you know, effect, there's got to be a cause. What is the first cause of the universe? It it's, can't, be, can't be answered by natural, natural means. And you ask, ask questions like, well, who am I? Well, if we're just 
chemicals, then there's really no difference between you and a slug. You're just a different chemical makeup. You're an insignificant lump of atoms that came together by chance, a cosmic accident. I mean, that's that's pretty depressing, to be honest, Neil. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Whereas in Christianity, says you you came from the creation of the world, which was made by God. You're made in the image of God. You're loved by your Creator. You're here for a purpose. You have meaning and purpose in your life, and you're not an accident. You were were made intentionally by God, and that that wow, what a contrast in, in views, just looking at two of those. I remember a conversation with some non-Christian people many, many years ago. I said to them, you know, you may not believe in God, but don't tell your children there is no God because you set them up for a lifetime which mm. will actually be mm. uh, characterized by emptiness mm. and characterized by pessimism mm. because, as you say, you know, Understanding where we came from, our origins, who we are, our identity, why we're here, that Mm. we have a purpose, how we should live, because there is a moral foundation to the way we live. And where am I going when I die? If Mm. those things are a part of your children, they will be uh, not pessimistic, but they will have optimism. So uh, for those who don't even believe that there is a God, uh, telling your children there is no God would be the worst thing that you could do. The best thing you can do is to train up your children in the way that they should go so that they will have a life that is mm. full and, of course, uh, the opportunity to connect with Christ. Mm. Why don't we start off this uh, this hour with a call from Graham in Burnie, Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Good morning, I should say, today. You know, Christ is a light and Christianity is a light. If we uphold that light and and ministry uphold what Christ taught and the people know that, know their Bible. You know, my mother was a lovely woman, went to church every Sunday. But, you know, I don't think there was a a Bible in the house. It was never opened very quickly. I picked up a Bible from a hop shop, you know, it was 72 years old. It was like brand new. It never been opened. Mm. We need, true Christians, we need to get in, know what God's about, and our ministers need to know what it's about to preach to us. Thank you. Good stuff, Graham. And, you know, mm. when Graham says the word light, I mean, sometimes we just think, oh, that's something I learned in Sunday school. Mm. Uh, Jesus, the light of the world. And then Jesus says to the disciples, you are the light of the world. It's a powerful Mm. concept and brings real light into Mm. darkness, Stu. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And a great point made about how we as Christians need to be the light of Christ in the world. Obviously, we, we get our light from Jesus, but we're supposed to shine that light. And uh, the Bible talks about not uh, putting our light under a bushel, um, but you know, declaring for all to see um, the, the gospel and uh, and what Jesus brings to the world. So, But we've got to live that, and that was a very good point also made. We've got to live that. Um, one of the th- things that comes to my mind, Neil, is in Second Corinthians about how it says we are ambassadors for Christ, uh, pl- imploring people, pleading with people to be reconciled to God. And that is, uh, as Christians, we are his ambassadors here on earth. You cannot walk around and, and and find Jesus. You can't. Where's God? You know, like we are his arms, his legs, and his mouthpiece here on earth. We're his ambassadors. He, you know, you can't see him physically, but you should see him through the lives, uh, the actions, 
and the words of Christians around us because our walk and our talk should be the same. Um, and unfortunately, when they're not, and there's hypocrisy that uh, denigrates the name of Jesus, it uh, it disgraces him because we rep- represent him. And I find many people, as I'm out evangelizing, they say, oh, but there's hypocrites in the church, or this guy ripped me off and he was a Christian or something. And, and I have to very lovingly say to them, look, you know, please don't write off the message because the messenger wasn't very good. You know, we cannot judge Christianity based on someone's poor modeling of it and not doing what Jesus told us. We've got to look at Jesus. And uh, But, you know, it does really bring to home the fact that we as Christians have got to live out that life uh, because people are watching us. We're in a fishbowl. <laughs> Isn't it uh, just a powerful point you make here, Stu? Uh, there's a lot of poor modeling mm. of Christianity and of recent years that's been very public. And that poor modeling actually has a huge effect uh, on the society we live in. Uh, I want to thank Graham from Burnie for a great contribution. Thank you so much, Graham. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call from Carol in Alumba in Queensland. Hello, Carol. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. What are your thoughts, Carol? Um, I'm a, I'm an Aboriginal female um, and I just feel uh, Christianity gives you a reason, a reason to forgive mm. um, and not, you know, to forgive through being merciful. And it also gives you wisdom and understanding through the, the biblical principles in God's word because uh, they work. And it also shows you that, um, like it sets it all out and shows you that if, you're, if you do this and, you know, God's way, that um, this is, you know, you'll, it'll be for good. It's all for good. And these good things will happen in your life. But it also shows you the consequences. So that it says that if, if you go against it or don't do that, then these things can happen against your life. And I just feel that's, that's where, and you get a, a good understanding about life and about your own life. And especially me as an Aboriginal person too, looking back on our history, mm. that really gave, Jesus gave me the reason to forgive mm. and wonderful. to see the whole thing in a different light. Mm. Carol, you know? what wonderful, profound wisdom you have. It's just wonderful to hear that. Mm. Uh, Stu, a thought for Carol? Absolutely. I mean, you can end up bitter and twisted if you hold grudges and and the, the 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 sins of the past. But through Christ, we can be set free. We can forgive. We can move on. And uh, what you've talked about there is so you're living that, Carol, which is fantastic. Uh, many people are still wanting revenge. They're wanting, um, uh, you know. Justice. They're wanting, you know, something to happen because of the, the hurt that they feel. But releasing it to the Lord and offering forgiveness, like Jesus did, uh, is just such a freeing thing for us, and it means that we can move on. Uh, so that's wonderful. 
Carol, your wisdom really overflows into uh, the bigger issue that all Australians talk about, uh, but I'm not sure mm. there's as much activity as happening and perhaps uh, there's many more that need to listen to you in the way that you're reflecting these things, having a reason to forgive. It is a foundation for reconciliation. Of course, Jesus modelled that forgiveness, didn't he? Mm. On the cross, he said, even of those who had nailed him there, Father, forgive them, for they know not what Mm. they do. And as you'll know, Carol, when you exercise that forgiveness, it personally releases you uh, from the bitterness and from the challenging emotional roller coaster you can be on when you know that you have either personally been hurt or in the sense of our whole uh, Indigenous, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander issues around the past, uh, those things can be, uh, can be released. Carol, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might want to join in our conversation. We're asking, what is so good about Christianity? There was something we were talking about just before the news, Stu. I want to come back to those because I thought uh, your insights there were really quite profound. Christianity answering the basic questions of life. If you get these wrong, if you leave God out, if you leave Jesus out, uh, you set yourself up for failure. Uh, There was a, a number of those you mentioned um, you know, we, we said, where did I come from? Mm. Understanding that I have an origin, that God is creator. Mm. Who am I? Mm. Uh, where, where is my identity now? That's right. Why am I here? Mm. Do I have a purpose or is this just mm. meaningless? Uh, how should I live? A moral foundation. And where am I going when I die mm. having a destiny? These mm. sorts of things are profound. Mm. Uh, you've got a thought or two on, on, on some of those ones we didn't get to enlarge on just before mm. the news. Yeah, well, we talked about how you know, the hopelessness of, of not knowing why you're here if you're just a, an insignificant lump of atoms that have come together by chance and a cosmic a- accident that doesn't give you a lot of hope or purpose or meaning for your life. But, uh, but how, you know, let's look at those last two, Neil. You know, uh, how do I live? Morals. What basis have you got for saying that anyone should live their life in any certain way? I mean, what's wrong with murder? What's wrong with rape? What's wrong with, you know, some of these things, adultery, you know? Um, We instinctively know they're wrong, and that's because God has written his law on our hearts. But to explain that without God... Basically, if it's just the fittest survive and and the weakest die out, well, if I murder someone, then I'm stronger than them and carry on. It's just evolution, baby. You know, like let's. Who's to you? Why why should you say that I can't do that? You know, who who, are, who gives you the right to be morally superior to me and tell me I can't murder someone? Of course, that that's silliness, um, and we know that. But try and argue that without you know having a a Christian. You know, using a Christian worldview as a basis, uh, you can't do it. Let's take God out of the equation for a mm-hmm. moment, and uh, we know we can never fully do that. Yeah. But for the sake of the conversation, mm-hmm. take God out. Mm. Take the incredible impact of Jesus mm. on the whole world uh, mm. from what He did on His incarnation two thousand years ago. Mm. What have you got left? You have got a mm. struggle for power. Mm-hmm. 
you've got the challenge of who controls who. That's uh, right. Nothing of humility because mm-hmm. survival of the fittest means mm-hmm. I have to be in control. I am right. going to be living a chaotic life of mm-hmm. uh, weaponry and war. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accumulation of wealth becomes my only mm-hmm. uh, aspiration because even though I know that having more than I need it takes me beyond any purpose for having it. There is something that makes me powerful in having wealth. Mm. And so without purpose, mm. uh, money for money's sake, uh, mm. all of these things, and you were talking about murder and all of those mm. uh, issues uh, that come back even to the Ten Commandments. Yep. If you take God out of the equa- equation, all of that is meaningless, mm. and we degenerate into chaotic mm. struggles for power. And and basically, there is no morals. It's just whoever's the most powerful does what they want and thinks is right. And it's not anyone's morals being superior to the other because there is literally no morals. There, all you are is atoms and chemicals and just chemicals buzzing around. I mean, you, there is no God. There is no um, higher power. There is no morality. Because there's no God to set but the standard of what that morality is. And that we're seeing exactly that in our political you know, climate at the moment. And, and it has been for quite a number of years where people are challenging a lot of the norms of society. You mentioned the plebiscite and, and same-sex marriage you know, debate that happened. You know, when people lose God, they lose uh, morality, um, basically it's just whoever can argue their point the strongest um, wins at the end of the day. So what gives any basis for anyone to have morality? It has to be God. You know, we've got a federal election coming up. We do. And, uh, we're used to going into a federal election with at least one or two <clears throat> pardon me, political parties mm. that have a Christian foundation to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I know listeners will know that uh, there were changes since the last election. There is no, uh, you know, the Cory Bernardi uh, party, uh, which had, party, a, yeah. which, you know, the mm. conservatives, mm. they had a Christian foundation. There's no right. family first because they all sort of merged together to join that. And so mm. all of a sudden without them, we're moving to an, an election now without mm. the Christian voice from an official party. And so we are then faced with the thought, mm. if we're going to be electing individual candidates, we need mm. to look at the candidates, not the parties, because actually the parties themselves uh, look pretty godless. Mm. Now, godless political parties means mm. chaos and anything goes. Right. So, without that guiding morality, you're talking mm. about morality is one mm. of those five issues, yep. uh, we face some tough times because mm. it's a little bit like there's no anchor in anything mm. that is of substance. Mm. And we can end up with tyranny. We can end up with a, a party that just decides what they think is best uh, for everybody and uh, whatever <clears throat> gives them the power and, and they'll just try to hang on to power and we see that. Um, so what I think people are looking for when they're going to vote is will this person serve me or not? And that is a very Christian uh, worldview type outlook uh, because ministers are supposed to minister to people. <laughs> These are ministers of parliament. They're supposed to minister to the people. They're supposed, they, they are public servants. The reason we have these labels is because of Christianity, because leaders are supposed to serve the people, not lord over the people. 
And I think a big part of the, the protests that are happening are around this nation, massive protests in, in a number of cities and in Canberra most recently, is people recognising this God-given freedom being stripped from them and they're saying, enough's enough. And, it's yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting election coming up. And um, if you're a, an MP, I would uh, be campaigning on I'm here to serve you because that's what people are looking for. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Nick is on the line from Victoria. Hi, Nick. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, my name is Nick. As you said it already, I just would like to comment a few things about Christianity. Why is it so good Christianity? Christianity is like a hospital for our, our heart, for our spiritual life. And uh, the comment of uh, our sister from uh, probably Queensland, the Aboriginal lady, yeah. um, forgiveness. Mm. When we don't forgive, and Jesus went few steps in the front, he said, forgive even your enemy. Why? Because mm. we developed in our body adrenaline that if they take adrenaline like they take from the from the snakes uh this uh uh how you call uh, the anti-venom yes thank you for that uh adrenaline for uh, if you take from people i mean from men or ladies uh body we could kill 150 people with the same adrenaline that is in our body so it's poison for our body that's first thing second thing <clears throat> I read that in Australia, 17%, all around the planet Australia, 70, 70%, 70% uh, of people don't believe there is a God because they rely on technique, on science. But science knows only to the grave. Jesus gave us over the grave. And Attila, mm. uh, they call him uh, Sip of God, mm. that now they are Hungarian because he, he, he took from middle of uh, Asia. Nick, let me just cut in. We'll pick up on some of the points you're making here. One of the important points Nick makes, and there's a characterization uh, of a hospital for the heart, Mm. and it is one characterization because we know there's lots of dimensions, but it's Mm. an important one to recognize. And, uh, Mm. you know, even uh, Nick talking about uh, a snake and venom and the Mm. anti-venom that... uh, uh, that, uh, you know, resists that poison uh, killing the body. Mm. Uh, these are important elements. Uh, thoughts mm. here for Nick? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Nick, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you're right to refer back to Carol too because um, she brought a similar thing about forgiveness. We, we've talked a lot about the societal changes and how <coughs> Christianity brought so much good for our society, but it's so good for your soul. <laughs> it is the hospital for your soul, isn't it? I mean, uh through Christianity, we have forgiveness of our sins. We, we don't need to be ashamed anymore and burdened, burdened with guilt. We can be completely forgiven, have a clean slate through Jesus. We can know our Creator. We can know the one who's made us. We can have a personal relationship with God. Uh, he offers us eternal life. Uh, through that forgiveness, through uh, being made right with God, we receive eternal life not just for, for, for the, this, this period on earth, but forever. I mean, that's a long time. Uh, the ramifications for us personally uh, of the gospel, of Jesus, of Christianity uh, is just huge. And I think you're right, Nick, to, to uh, you know, 
bring us back to that point because um, it's not just about the whole of society. It has huge implications for ourselves. Nick, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. I want to thank John from South Australia who called in too, reminding us that Family First is running in South Australia at the next state election. And they've got a state election coming up just next month. And uh, Family First is back on track. I'm not so sure of all of the Christian foundations for that. And uh, from what I understand, I'm just uh, working on memory here. A couple of former Labor Party MPs said, let's reform the Family First Party and get things back on track. So I'll have to uh, examine that a little bit closer and some listeners might have some insight into how that works. Uh, Feel free to send me a note. Hey, uh, so far as the number of people believing in God, Stu, when we Mm. were talking with Nick a few moments Mm. ago, you don't have to have 100% of people Mm. who will acknowledge that there is God and that he is the one who is the antidote to the cruelty that comes uh, from the anti-Christian stance, you only need a small number uh, to be able to be salt and light, uh, to be the yeast in the loaf. Any thoughts here about uh, the numbers uh, so far as influence goes? Mm. Of course, we would love to see 100% of people believing on Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Any thoughts Mm. here, though, about, about numbers and the effect on of society? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, obviously you've got to be willing to surrender to Christ in order to become a Christian. I think most people believe in a in a uh, power of some sort, a supernatural power of some sort, because they look around them. I mean, as it says at the beginning of Romans, you know, you just, you, creation declares the glory of God. It's very hard to say that there's nothing out there. Uh, but so most people do believe in something, but... Actually submitting to Christ, there's not a, a massive percentage of people who have done that. But those people have made a huge impact uh, in our nation uh, and in the world. Um, and so you don't, like you say, you don't need to, a majority of people to be Christian to actually bring out. I think that's because most of us agree with the Christian principles. Uh, you may not be a Christian, but you can see, uh, you know, the value of freedom of speech, freedom of religion. You know, um, uh, 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 all races are, are equal, all sexes are equal, etc. Um, and you say, well, I agree with those principles. You don't need to be a Christian to, to believe in them, but they are Christian principles that have been brought up. Let's take one more call. Janet is in Perth, WA. Hi, Janet. Welcome. Oh, good morning. I've been <coughs> listening to the general conversation and I'd like to comment that I believe uh, Christianity is so valuable because we have the, mo- the most precious book in the world, mm. the Bible. The Bible tells me that there is a creator who made men and women to be like him and to look after his wonderful creation. Mm. We haven't done a very good job, but uh, he sent Jesus to to provide the remedy for that. And the message to me is that, that I am not alone in this life. Mm. This life is not all there is. Mm. And... Um, he has provided the way to 
life as it should be. Mm. And we don't, none of us understand what life is. Life, we can't make life. Mm. The Bible tells me that God is the source of all life. Janet, wonderful thoughts there. I'll I'll cut you short a little bit there. Time is running out. The Bible is the most precious Mm. book of the history of the whole world Mm. because it is the foundation by which we know God. Mm. So we talk about the inspired scriptures. So Mm. God, in whatever way he was able to superintend the writers to be able to include all of those wonderful truths and Mm. what we'd call revelation of himself, Mm. uh, which is the foundation for all of these wonderful things we talk about. Mm. The Bible needs to be defended and needs to be promoted. It is just a wonderful book. Uh, A quick thought for Janet? Mm. Absolutely, Janet. I totally agree. Uh, And it's a challenge for us as Christians because we we know the Bible is so incredible. We know it's an amazing book. It's transformed our lives. The message of the book of the Bible has transformed our lives. How do we get that message out to other people in society so that they too can find the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? A lot of, a lot of people are feeling hopeless. They're feeling uncertain about what's going on in the world, and they need uh, the rock, Jesus. They need to hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we can share that message with them. We can share w- what we would call the gospel, uh, which isn't the whole Bible, but it's the main message that runs through the Bible. And there's there's a number of tools that can then help you with that as well. We uh, Neil mentioned uh, earlier the G7. I don't know whether you have that, Janet, but it's a great tool for being able to communicate the gospel. It's, a, it's an app that you can put on your phone. It's available from the App Store. And um, I would just encourage everyone who's listening, who's a Christian, more than ever, I think people are open to the gospel. They're open to hearing about Jesus where they previously may not have been. Um, I'm finding in my conversations there's an openness that is unparalleled. And so I'd encourage you to engage the conversation with people and to do your best uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because it may transform someone's life. Janet, thank you so much for your call. Time has run out, Stu, and uh, Mm. glad you got to mention the G7 uh, way that people can share the gospel, mm. you know, with the aid of uh, something, you know, of modern technology. Yeah. Uh, the modern technology isn't going to uh, somehow or other extinguish our Christianity. It's actually going to enhance our Christianity. So right. utilize that technology where you can. So get the mm. G7 app. Go to the Train to Proclaim website, traintoproclaim.com. There's also all sorts of other free resources there about mm-hmm. how you can train uh, mm. others to, uh, to evangelize, how to Right. Lead someone to Christ. All sorts of good things on there, Stu. Mm. And I know you work very hard to make sure that all of those are up to date mm-hmm. and that there is great resource available for every believer. You're also available for some Zoom sessions if someone yes. wants to invite you. Yep. Uh, why don't Zoom you. Zoom trainings uh, and so church trainings now that things are opening up again. Wherever you are around Australia, mm-hmm. either getting Stu on Zoom or in person. And I know that in times earlier uh, you've said, I'll go if someone invites me. So. Uh, be in touch with Stu. You can connect with him at traintoproclaim.com. Stu, thanks so much for joining us again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.